Welcome to No Quarter. I'm Carrington Vanston. And I'm Mike McGinnis, and this is a brand new podcast about classic video games. New podcast about old games. That too. We are ironic, we are, you and me. <laughs> How are you today, Mike? I'm doing well, Carrington. How are you? I'm excellent, and I'm excited about the show. Thank you for thinking of the idea and thinking to include me. Well, thanks for agreeing to come along for the ride. Uh, like I said, off mic, somebody has to keep their eye on you. That's true, yes. Gotta control, just can't be trusted. <laughs> no. <laughs> so we are kicking off this inaugural episode about uh, classic arcade games, and uh, you and I discussed ahead of time what game we would start with, and I think you You've chosen really well to start with the, essentially one of the the biggest names, the biggest brands, the biggest games um, ever in arcade history. So want to tell our listeners what we are going to talk about? Sure. Well, that's an easy one. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about Pac-Man. Never heard of it. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you grew up in the 80s, um, you knew about Pac-Man. In fact, if you probably grew up in the 90s or even in the 2000s, you know about Pac-Man. Absolutely. Um, it's, it was introduced in 1981 by, I believe it was Namco? Yes, yeah, I think so as well. Yeah, and uh, it immediately became a huge hit and uh, sort of, I, I think Pac-Man was kind of responsible for kicking off the whole arcade craze in the early 80s in the United States. Or as we would call it, Pac-Man fever. It's crazy exactly how big a a phenomenon Pac-Man was like compared to anything nowadays. So you look at the big names and games from Worldcraft to Call of Duty or like all of these things, Grand Theft Auto, and these things really pale to what a massive uh, like cultural impact Pac-Man made, not just as a game but as a, as a social phenomenon. I mean, it was everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't just the game. I mean, there was the spin-off products like crazy. I mean, there were there was cereal, there was lunchboxes, you name it. They put Pac-Man on it. Yeah, I I will name it a terrible um Hanna-Barbera cartoon. That's oh, what I will name it. God, I oh. forgot about that. It's so awful. <laughs> what an awful show, but it was popular enough to run for two seasons. Crazy, eh? Tr- yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. In fact, I think you sent me a link about this, that the uh, the DVDs are out. I did, yes. You can get both seasons on DVD now. Why you would want to, I don't know, but you <laughs> can if you do. If you do. <laughs> unwatchably terrible. Just absolutely unwatchably <laughs> terrible. They say well, some things, you know, don't hold up. That thing was bad at the time. I can't even imagine how awful it would be to rewatch that whole series. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. I, well, I mean, the game itself didn't actually have really a plot other than you're just running from these these ghosts. That's a Level plot. after level after level. Well, to Jerry Bruckheimer, that's a plot. <laughs> that's true, yes. <laughs> that's starring, starring Will Smith and Martin, Martin Lawrence. Oh, sign me up now. Summer <laughs> blockbuster. Um, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. And, and the thing about Pac-Man that, that I think people that maybe weren't, if we have younger, younger than me listeners, which statistically is probably everybody, I think it, it's, you forget when, when we're dealing with sort of a pre and post Pac-Man world, like how big um, uh, uh, an impact this made. I think that it, it's still the case today, I suspect, if you were to just walk up any street in, in your town, big or small or whatever, and just pick people at random and ask them just off the cuff, quick, name three video games. Almost certainly Pac-Man, things like Pac-Man and, and, and Space Invaders are among them. They come to mind, even games this old are so iconic and so related to to, to video games in general, it's still something that people associate with it. It's, it's beyond just big. It become, becomes an archetype of the whole genre. Right, yeah. I, I'd say that, I mean, Pac-Man fever was probably as big as Star Wars. 
And and as good. <laughs> well, no, there no, were those Ewoks. No. Oh yes, okay, yes. Uh, maybe maybe as good as the prequels. Right. But, um, oh yes. Now, in fact, wasn't Pac Man Fever? If I if I recall, who who were the people that that came out with that that song? There was a band called Buckner and Garcia. As two guys, um, and and they they play this they play this song called Pac Man Fever. Um, and it was a bad, bad song that got endless radio play. Yeah, because wasn't it like a top 10 hit? It was like a, an actual top 40 or something. Well, yeah. And in fact, it was so popular that they made it, they, they fleshed it out and made an entire album of arcade songs. Really? This I did not know. And like wait, every song on the album was about Pac-Man or about arcades in general? Well, no, there, there were arcade games in general. You're right. It is a... It was a whole. It was a whole thing. There was a. There was a whole album. This right. Yeah, and it wasn't. It wasn't like an album that was planned, and that song was the most popular. The song became popular, and then the record company, I think, pushed them into making an entire album, because none of the other songs on that album are nearly as good as Pac-Man Fever. Oh, they just sort of knocked it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a centipede song, I think. And um, are you saying that Do the Donkey Kong was not a classic? Yeah. Or going berserk. <laughs> I'm going to have nightmares about that now. <laughs> that Froggy's Lament. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. This oh, is something it's... I may seek out on oh, yes. it's, later on. It's available. I don't know if you could Holy buy it. From... Cow, they had a second album. Did they really? I didn't now know that. and then includes songs like It's All Right and E.T. I Love You. Now, is this, is this from is the second album? I think that's a more recent one. Is that right? Could be my eye, my eyes are burning looking at this, uh, and then it was re released, <laughs> scorching my with, soul with new versions. Crazy. So anyway, yeah. this this kind of things, dear listener, is is what we're talking about when when a game can be so big that you get a, a top ten silly uh, song release about it. I mean, you don't hear a lot of uh, Call of Duty songs on pop radio at the moment. Justin Bieber is not coming out with one, as far as I know. I'm not up on the Bieb. So, Mike, talk to me about. Let, let's imagine that I'm 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 an alien. Just stretch stretch your mind somehow to imagine. Here I am, bleep blop bloop. I've landed on this planet, and I've heard good things about this Pac-Man game, but I haven't actually played it. How would you describe the 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 game mechanics, the scoring? Like, what what is Pac-Man? Well, it's actually uh, it's one of those games that you probably have to see to really understand how it truly works. Although. If there's anyone out there who hasn't played Pac-Man or heard of it, I don't know. But um, you're, you start as this little yellow creature uh, who was designed actually after uh, after the creator was eating a piece of pizza and said, "Hey, that looks like something I should put in a game." Oh, is that um, really how it came? Because it always yeah. looked like a pizza slice. Yeah. Well, he was thing. there was he was interviewed in, in Wired magazine for the 30th anniversary for the 30th anniversary of the game, and he talks about how he came up with he was took a slice of pizza out of the whole thing and what he saw in there he thought that would be neat for the game. But, I remember this article. It's the one where he talked about how Pac Man was designed for women. 
Right, yes. Okay, well, we can get back to that later. Yeah, I forgot about that article. So yeah, anyway. we'll, talk, we'll talk more about that. But you have this this character, and you control him with a joystick. There's There are no – it's one of the simplest games as far as um, learning to play. There are no buttons to push, um, and the joystick only moves in four directions. And you move, maneuver your character around the, this little maze eating these pellets while you're being chased by four ghosts. And hearing waka-waka noises. That's right, which Don't is how pac was noises. named. <laughs> oh, is really? Okay, yeah. so that's – let's pause there for a second because I think a lot of people – I've always heard that Pac-Man um, uh, comes from uh, Pakuman or something, and then in North America, it was originally going to be called Puckman, and they changed it because they thought people would vandalize it and change the P to an F. True or not true, Mike? That's true, and in fact, if, if they did change it, you would have an entirely different game. Um, <laughs> probably, yes. <laughs> which the young me probably would have played as well. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, so the, the American... The the American pronunciation would have been Paku Paku, right? Um, but it was also an onomatopoeia for the sound uh, of a mouth opening and closing uh, in Japan, and okay. so that's that's where Pac Man got his name. Okay, got yeah. it. And what about the um, the names of the ghosts? Uh, what was it? Blinky, Clyde, Tinky, well, and Minky. And they actually Lulu. had two names because <laughs> because they had their name names and then they had their nicknames. Okay. So, the, yeah, there was Blinky, Pinky, Clyde, and I forget the other one. Um, then, so these, these ghosts, each, each has its own color, chases you around. These ghosts chase you around the maze. And the red one is the meanest. That's right, yeah. And in each corner of the maze, you have a power pellet. And if you eat one of those, all the ghosts turn blue and they run away from you. And during a short period of time while they remain blue, you can chase them down and eat them for extra points. Now, as you progress further into the game... Which you do by clearing out all the power pellets and pills, food pills in the maze. Once you progress further into the game, the time that these ghosts remain edible for Pac-Man becomes shorter and shorter, and eventually Not just shorter becomes ridiculously and um, angeringly short. I can't. Be- I was playing it recently, and I can't believe how little time you get by the by, by the third maze. It's crazy. Like they're giving you no time at all. Right. Well, eventually oh. they they turn immediately, and you basically have I think uh, almost no chance at all to to eat them. Right. Um, oh, Inky. It was the other guy. Blinky, Pinky, ah, Inky, sorry. and Clyde. He was the cyan one. Yeah, I, right. I just know the red one is always the one that seems to be after me the most. Yes. Um, well, and once you once you gobble them down after eating a power pellet, they, they go back to their little center hole in the maze there and then come back at, out yes, after you. Yes, their eyes they, float. Yes, and they seem to be a lot angrier chasing you down right after they come out of that, after you've eaten them. Although I guess if you were to eat me, I would be angry too. So. Angry, angry, angry. That's right. Angry Mike, Mike's eyes floating <laughs> down the halls of, of Kansas Fest. The thing yeah. I think, um, is something you touched on, I, I think it's important to actually mention. It's something that will probably come up in many, many of our episodes. Is sure. that there's something um, fundamental that, that differentiates an arcade game, particularly a classic arcade game like this, from other sorts of games. There's lots of video games. There's console games. There's you know, home computer games. There's lots of VR helmet games. Tons of stuff. But one of the one of the things I think that defines an, an arcade game when we think of the, the cabinet, you know, throw a cord in an arcade game, is it has to be designed so that uh, a large and a multinational, multicultural audience can step up to it and immediately understand the point of the game, the gameplay, and be enticed by it without instructions, without any 
previous knowledge. You're just going to stand there. You look at either the joystick or some buttons. You see an example of gameplay on the screen, and that has to make you think, I'm going to throw a quarter into this. And a quarter seems cheap now, but in you know, $1980 or whatever, that's like you know, probably well over a dollar. So you think it's more than you'd spend today on, a, on an app for an iPhone, but you get to play it one time. Imagine it's every time you buy an app. No, it's a dollar, and you get one play. And they, there has to be, in a sense, such a simple mechanic that the, the general public would say, oh, I get it. I, I think I could do well enough to get my money's worth. And I think what you said about how it's got very simple controls, the fact that this is – it's a maze. You're hearing the sound of the, the gobbling of the dots so it, you can immediately figure your character is that, that mouth going around. And it's just got that one joystick. It's something that does appeal, I think, to the, the non-hardcore gamer. It's not a thousand buttons. It's not complicated. It's just you know move the joystick, move the man, and – the 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 point of the game to gobble up these these dots is immediately apparent. So like you know your mom, your sister, anybody can step up and just say, "I get this game. I, I could figure this looks like fun. I could play it." I agree absolutely, and I, I think that this is sort of the ultimate realization maybe of the concept of instant gratification. You yes. drop you drop a coin in and you're playing, and it's you know it might take you two or three minutes to sort of figure out okay this is what's going on, but I mean, it's easy to get into, and it's easy to continue to feed quarters in with the promise that you'll be able to beat your score next time. Yes, and I remember the first time I played – well, actually, I do remember the first time I played as a kid, but I remember – the first time you get past the second maze and you're rewarded by that little – you pause for a second and you have a little cartoon show of the Pac-Man going across the screen being chased by the ghost and suddenly the ghost in blue comes the other way and the big Pac-Man is after it. You get that right. little interstitial. <laughs> and that little reward is amazing game design where, hey, look, you've done well and you're proceeding to the to the next chunk. Now, I have no idea really in my personal gameplay if there's more of those because frankly i don't get that far in this game (laughs) but i can get that second screen clear reward and you know that that really is a a a good game it's it's amazing how much goes into the design of a game like this to make it effective that it's got to be so simple but it's got to be not so simple that you'll play forever because otherwise you don't make any money that namco has got to but you have to be able to play well enough that you think you could do a little better and feel like your money's worth and you know a lot goes into a game and if you're you're limited by i think this has like a five probably a 512 by 480 graphics and one joystick to to make something that enticing and to have lasted that long is really a masterful game design. It's, it's amazing that this guy did this. Now, did the, do you know if the fellow that they interviewed in Wire magazine that actually designed this, there was a guy who designed this, did he make other games? You know, I don't remember. He's um, a one-hit wonder. Uh, he might have been. He's the Katrina yeah. and the waves of video game design. <laughs> exactly, yes. The flock of seagulls of video game design. <laughs> what? You disparage the seagulls? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, not their hair. Just their <laughs> no, Well, of course not their hair. Oh, my goodness. Um, okay, I just pulled up the Wire art, Wired article, and it turns out he did design one other game. Um, but it wasn't a success. It was two joysticks, and you had arrows. And when the arrows crossed, the left joystick now controlled the right arrow, and the right joystick controlled the left arrow. And it's a harder core game, and it just wasn't as successful. But let's talk about this article, because you had brought it up before, that it's, it says here he was originally designing this to, to appeal to women. This, this totally surprised me. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting, and, and maybe it comes off. I don't know if this is a cultural thing, but it sort of came off as a little bit sexist. Because when you read it, he's talking about, well, I wanted to do something that might be a fashion design game because he wanted to appeal to women. And then I thought of eating. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, 
was, and I don't know if the two thing if the two things actually had anything to do with each other, like the eating was just you know hit on something else, or if that was somehow associated with a, a, a woman activity. But at the time, uh, all of the arcade games in Japan, he points out, uh, were basically alien shooters, and he wanted to move away from that. Right. So. So it's sort of the N- Nintendo thinking, like go more casually and try to appeal to a, a broader a broader game base. Which is funny because it's not like I ever thought of arcade uh, of, of Pac-Man as a as a game for girls. It it seemed just universal to me. Sure, and that's that's what I thought too. You know, like I said, I don't know how well that the the cultural connotations translate into English. You know, I think he was just trying to move away from alien shooters. Right. It's kind of sad though. I see at the end of the article he was saying how he this was a big success and he did his second game and then he got moved into sort of management to at Namco. It was, a, it was a small growing company and they wanted him to manage other developers. And he says that he still had he still had the drive and he still had ideas and, and he thought he could design more games. But they sort of asked him to be a coach rather than a player. But it seems he's saying that kind of kind of. I think he was a little disappointed by that. It seems like that maybe he would have liked to knock out a few more games himself rather than just be a manager. I imagine that's probably true. I, 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 if I designed something that was that successful, I probably would want to try it again. Well, I'd want all the money. Sure. <laughs> well, and in fact, you know, an entire industry sprung up, um, you know, trying to replicate the, the success of something that was quick and easy and addictive and people could feed quarters into the machines. You know, because I'm sure, as you know, for every Pac-Man or Galaga um, there were 30 or 40 crappy games out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that were just, you know, what am I playing? This is god-awful. So. so so many games. I think people forget that because nowadays we only talk about the big successes. And I'm sure on this podcast and in future episodes, we will talk about some of the massive, terrible failures. Oh, yes. I, I remember oh, yes. that very well in the 80s. You'd go up and you'd try a game, and that game would get one quarter out of you. It's <laughs> just like, what, what was this? <laughs> right. And you would you walk away cursing because you wanted your quarterback. <laughs> absolutely. Or your token or what have you. Just right. absolutely just some terrible gameplay um so speaking of which though there were not not just you know other games trying to to replicate its success but games that were pac-man games themselves like both in the arcade and at home like there was miss pac-man and pac world and stuff like that as well but super pac-man now i've heard that ms pac-man wasn't really was developed by like other people and and then was just licensed to the pac-man or something well i I, as i recall i don't have the history in front of me but um and i'm sure our listeners will write in and gleefully correct me (laughs) gleefully (laughs) not on their fingers but i believe that ms pac-man was actually a hardware bootleg hack um, in other words, somebody had a Pac-Man cabinet, and then they went around and messed, messed with the, the ROM code and turned it into a – and came up with Ms. Pac-Man. And Namco licensed that and and then sold that as a legitimate game. It turns out it looks like – yeah, I just quickly read very very quickly, according to Wikipedia and, and one other site. It, it, it's exactly that, that it was, a, that it was basically a, a boot hack and from a company that had been sued by Atari for doing that sort of thing. And then once they settled, they decided, well, let's not get into another lawsuit like that. Why don't we go and try to make this one? We have the Ms. Pac-Man. Let's make it official. And I guess – North American Namco was so desperately waiting for the next real Pac-Man that it kept getting delayed. They said, great, let's just license this and put it out. Um, and then it was Super Pac-Man was the next sort of official from Namco Pac-Man that came out after that. So oh, this was all news to me. I did not yeah. know any of this, Mike. Yeah, well, there, there are tons and tons of legitimate Pac-Man titles, too. I mean, there was Pac-Mania, Pac-Land, I think, uh, Junior Pac-Man. And in fact, they've been making games, you know, like, like you said, they mostly moved away from the arcade, but Pac-Man games have been introduced 
pretty much on a regular basis. As recently as 2010, they they had released they, they put out a new version of, of Pac-Man. Yeah, it's hard to think of any sort of game playing system of any sort, home, arcade, phone, whatever, that doesn't have an official Pac-Man and probably knockoff Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Right. Pac- yep. Pac-Man. I don't know what the plural would be. <laughs> That's right. So... In addition to those sorts of things, Pac-Man appearing uh, here and there and everywhere asunder, there was also, that's not a phrase, but whatever, there was also um, clones and knockoffs and stuff. Like, the 80s was awash with, pa- like, once once Pac-Man got popular, everyone was like, hey, let's put out a, a maze game. We don't want to be the only people without a maze game. Every home console system had maze games. I played uh, I played Lock and Chase a lot on, on Intellivision, and I think that was on a number of systems, and that was one of the big sort of Pac-Man clone-ish type games. Yeah. Um, I get it. and and uh, Munchman was I think my favorite one on the TI that I had my in the eighties my Texas Instrument but I think there was one and and similar big name ones on sort of every home micro and stuff in the eighties as well. Well, sure, and there were even even legitimate ports. I, I remember um, the Atari twenty six hundred had a version of Pac Man that was licensed from Namco. which you tell me according to our little show notes here was the third worst Atari twenty six hundred game ever. The third worst, yes. And I have been thinking since I got your email about this. My, my little brain has been rattling in its walnut, trying to figure out what would games one and two be. Now, I have, a, I have a guess. I would think, from personal experience, that the E.T. cartridge would be on that top three list. Like, You're correct. Because yes. awful. But I can't think of another one that is crazily, iconically terrible. Like what, what, what is the one that rounds out the top three? This one is called Custer's Revenge. Oh, Custer's Revenge. Do you remember Custer's Revenge? Uh, the uh, the fun, friendly um, rape cartridge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's the one. Oh, terrible yes. gameplay and an awful message. I forgot about Custer's Revenge. That's right. He walks around with an erection naked, and his final goal in the game is to have sex with a naked Native American woman who's tied to a pole. That's right. Yeah, not surprising that's going to make the top three. I forgot about I was going crazy trying to think like what else would be on the yeah you know that joins the 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 wonderful world of Pac-Man and ET on the 2600. Right. And don't worry folks that's probably not one we're going to actually review no. on this show. <laughs> we'll stick with, we'll stick with the arcade games. Now yeah. I had the uh the Pac-Man as uh, for Atari 2600 up probably a lot of people if you had a 2600 today it's, it's not a game that didn't sell well it did right but it was shockingly bad like just about as bad as a port could be i remember the the pac-man doesn't rotate it like it keeps it keeps horizontal so even when you go up and down its mouth doesn't point up and down and, and it makes this horizontal walking noise and the, and it flickers like crazy i guess because oh, they couldn't yes. figure out how to get enough sprites on it once and shot i mean shocking it looked like a terrible terrible version of a beta cartridge crazy that that could be released it was even even more disappointing because of the amount of hype that they'd built up uh, about this this game coming to the atari 2600 uh, i remember and I, I did not have a 2600 but my friends several of them did and, and that that in the months leading up to the release of this game that was all they could talk about was was how they were going to get to pay, play pac-man at home and they were going to have parties and have all their friends come over and <laughs> Did they have those parties? Uh, they might have had Did one, but I bet, come it, over? I bet it didn't last very long. <laughs> their friends were not their friends for long. No, this is an awful, awful game. And of course, it's if you have if you have a twenty six hundred console, you can probably pick up a cartridge on eBay for fairly cheap, and there are emulators out there, so you can go experience this for yourself if you really feel like punishing yourself. Yes, it does not hold a candle to the truly wonderful gameplay of the actual arcade cabinet. The uh, yeah, night and day difference. Oh, so terrible. 
speaking of gameplay, let's talk about scores and high scores and that sort of stuff. But before we get to how good you did and how poorly I did, let's talk about Billy Mitchell and, and his perfect game. How does one get a perfect game in Pac-Man? Because like, does it not just play forever? I, I, again, I wouldn't know. Screen 3 is my doom. There are 256 levels. Each That's one a is, coincidental number. Uh, shocking, right? <laughs> Um, there are 256 levels, um, and it, it, it gets repetitive. So you're, you're playing the same mazes over and over again. It just gets faster and harder, except for the last level, uh, which so the designers didn't expect anyone to ever get that far. Unsurprisingly. Yes. So the 256 level is actually buggy, and it's only half the screen is visible. The rest is filled with kind of garbage characters. Oh, so it has a kill screen. So you can get in the Well, it's not really a kill screen. You can actually you can actually beat this. You just have to know the game well enough to know that when you're when Pac-Man is on the right side of the screen, you can't see him, and you can't see where the ghosts are. You have to know the game well enough to know instinctively where they are and how to avoid them. <laughs> well, I it's guess by crazy. that many levels... You, yeah, you would you'd be able to do it with your eyes closed. I, I guess. I mean, it's crazy, and it's crazy to think that anybody would have would have been able to beat all two hundred fifty six. And Billy Mitchell didn't just beat each level; he also got every ghost on every power pill, plus every little fruit thing that that crazy. you can get. Yeah. yeah. So I heard he got a perfect game, which is three million three hundred thirty three thousand three hundred and sixty points. Yep. And it took him about six hours of straight gameplay to do it. Can't even imagine. My games are lucky to last one minute. Yeah. Six hours of straight gameplay. And you're right. <laughs> perfect. Every pill, every ghost, every fruit, every everything. That's insane. Yep. Now, I, on the other hand, played it over the weekend in mm-hmm. preparation for this episode. Sure. And, and I, my score was a little shy of the three million three hundred thirty three thousand three hundred six my score was 15,770. Oh, so close. So <laughs> it's close. Like, basically, I got to, to to number three, like the screen three, and that's... It's, it gets so fast by then. It's crazy. You have, I mean, the ghosts are just flying compared to the speed of your little Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. I have no mm-hmm. idea how people can go beyond that level, but... Mike, it seems that you did go beyond that level, you well, darn not, fellow you. <laughs> well, not too much. My best score was only 20,070. Um, and this was after probably two or three hours of playing the game and pumping virtual quarters into my MAME emulator. Right. Um, and 20,000 gets you about to the fourth maze, depending on how many ghosts you eat and that sort of thing. I gave up on go- first level. I go for the ghosts because they're slow enough. You can get your power pill and you can, you can get some revenge. And by the second level, I just use the, the power pills to just give me a reprieve so I can just gobble up more of the, the regular things and, and just hope to clear a level. I just give up early. Yeah, I understand. I, there are some techniques uh, that you could use, uh, you know, obviously guys like Billy Mitchell use them to the extreme, but, you know, you can lure, you can sort of wait around in a corner and the ghost will eventually come to you and you can line them up so that you can have a better chance at getting at least one or two of them before they you switch back. You say you like it would apply to me, but no, I cannot do that. <laughs> Billy Mitchell can with his slicked back hair and his awesomeness, but I cannot. No, none of, no high scores for Carrington. As soon as you hit that power pill, the ghosts reverse their direction and start running away. They flee my mighty Pac-Man as they should. So I guess what I guess what it comes down to is that both you and I kind of suck at this game. We do kind of suck at Pac-Man. <laughs> it's a hard game. Man. Yeah, well, I don't oh. remember being being that bad growing up, but I'm a lot older now and maybe my reflexes are starting to go, so I don't know. 
Now, if Billy Mitchell thinks his game was impressive with his uh, three million and change, Billy Mitchell thinks everything about Billy Mitchell is impressive. <laughs> but then Billy Mitchell has not seen the world's biggest Pac-Man on Pac-Man.com, where people have been getting together and you can make your own mazes. And they currently have a giant virtual Pac-Man comprised of I think it's like sixteen thousand by twelve thousand mazes. So a grid of that many mazes, and um, and everyone around the world, you can still go there right now and. And get a, it doesn't take flash or anything. You just go to the website and start pick a, pick a, a homemade grid at random and start playing Pac-Man. Um, currently, when I last looked, which was earlier today, uh, four billion and something um, dots had been eaten, and it said in total lives lost was twenty million seven hundred eighteen thousand four hundred seven, which it said was the same population as Sri Lanka. Now that's an odd thing to say. <laughs> I was about to say that sounds like a Pac-Man genocide to me. <laughs> Does sound kind of weird that they would say that hey, we, we've we've lost as many people as this country's population. I don't know, oddly threatening. I thought <laughs> that's very um, odd, but yes. it's really fun. So I, I went on the site. Um, I hadn't known about it. I went on because you had sent me the link, and mm-hmm. I played a bunch of little virtual mazes. Some were truly terrible and ridiculous, and some were like just not great designs. Um, but it's really fun. It's fun to just pop in and and like it, you know it just it plays really well on on. I tried it on Mac and PC. Both played excellently, and so fun little Pac Man break. So you can head over to pacman.com if you, you want to get a taste taste of the game. And, cool. Yeah. And other things that uh, uh, at, sort of at the extreme end of if you want a Pac-Man fix if, and you, if you've got some money to burn is this Romain Jerome Pac-Man watch. Um, and is this a watch that you're currently wearing, Mike? Uh, yeah, this I watch have on. three of them myself. Do you? Yes. <laughs> this yes. $17,900 $17, watch. That's right. If you have a spare twenty grand lying around. As I do. Um, <laughs> or three. Of course. Uh, you can buy one of these watches. The watch itself uh, is made of... Of steel and it's 46 millimeters wide. The, the case is black coated with polished and sandblasted surface. And as part of uh, Romaine Jerome's Moon Invader watch collection, now these were uh, made in a very limited run. There were only there were four different models with 20 units of each, so there were a total of 80 watches. Oh, that is limited, yeah. So you know, if you if you have a few hundred thousand dollars, you could probably buy all 80 of them. Oh, you got to have the whole set, of course. Sure, yeah. So, and these were actually put out now, it looks like. I'm reading on the gadgeteer.com, and the, this post was dated August 28th, 2012. So, you might actually be able to get one or two of these. I bet, I bet they'll sell most of them. Again, when you use the word you, I don't think you mean me. <laughs> so, no, I do. I mean do you. you. Yes. I can never get, I'm really not much of a watch wearer, and certainly I'm not going to drop almost $18,000 on one. That's crazy talk. Well, you but know, guess... with the, the, the strength of the Canadian dollar now, you should be able to afford it. No it is a mighty, mighty loony we have. Yes, <laughs> that's right. So I thought we would um, wrap up in a second talking about like sort of the future of Pac-Man and what, what Namco's got planned and mm-hmm. stuff. But I sure. thought we'd pause for a second. I want to ask you, do you remember the first time you encountered Pac-Man? Is it one of the games that you remember the first encounter with it? Because I remember the first time I ever played. I do, actually. Um, and this, this sort of speaks to my, my sad, lonely youth as a geek, I guess. Um, <laughs> we used to, to have me, these... Speak to me. Preach right. <laughs> Well, we used to have these, these school outings every now and then, these, these um, parties or whatever, at uh, the local skating rink. Uh, it was called Skate City. And over in one little corner, they would have all the popular arcade games, as Donkey Kong, Frogger, Pac-Man and things. And... At the time, Donkey Kong was very popular with all of my friends, and, and so I could either stand there and wait for my chance to play 
uh, plays Mario, or I could go over to Pac-Man, and that was popular too, but people seem to um, not play for as long as they did. With Donkey Kong, they would just feed quarters in over and over and over and play for forever, and so it could be a while before you play, and so in the mean, so while I was waiting for that, I would play Pac-Man. Aha! And did you, did you do well? Um, I don't remember doing as poorly as I did this time, <laughs> right. but I don't remember what my high score was. I, I think I, I think it was closer to fifty or sixty thousand uh, at the time, you know. Because while all of my friends were out there skating and, and learning about girls and, and socializing and things, I was playing video games. I think that was a wise choice. I do too. Yes. Says single guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so maybe I should be doubting my own decisions. And Pac-Man high scores are real high scores because there's no continue option. You can't just put in another quarter and keep adding to your score. Like what you get is what you get. Right. When you're done, and, you're done. Now you did have the advantage that when you reach ten thousand points, uh, you would get a, a free guy. A, a yeah, new, and that a little new noise happened. Yes. And I was like, what? What is that noise? That happened to me recently. I was like, what? <laughs> is that a good noise? Oh, it is a good. It's noise. a very good noise sometimes. Yes. <laughs> So when was the first time you played back? Well, actually, I, I have a good story about that. I'll, I'll, I'll give the abbreviated version. But as a kid, we took a uh, – I'm, and I'm because this is so long ago, I'm no doubt going to get the, the dates wrong and probably the places. It may not even have been me. But as far as I remember, um, we took a family trip as uh, like a driving trip to go somewhere. Don't even remember why we were on this, this trip or where we were going or what have you. But we stopped – in the Holiday Inn in White River Junction, Vermont. And it was one of those Holiday Inns that had sort of like a middle area that's like a big dome. And inside there was a pool. And, and, and also in that area were a couple of arcade games. Not anything really fancy, but there was a Pac-Man game. And, it, and I had never seen it before. So this probably was you know 1981 or something. It had just come out. So young Carrington steps up and goes, well, what is this? With my whole family, there was my sister, my mom, my dad, and all of us played Pac-Man. It was the kind of game that, like the designer wanted, would appeal to the family like hey let's put in some quarters and laugh and and play this game so i i distinctly remember my very first experience playing pac-man as a young kid now i don't remember i probably did terribly but it was that one of the few times where my family played an arcade game certainly my my parents would never go to an arcade but we were at this hotel and walking down to the pool and and then years and years and years later, probably, you know, late 1990s, I took a road trip um, around North America on a motorcycle, went to the four corners of America, uh, four corners of North America on, on a motorcycle, sort of learned to ride, which makes me sound far cooler than I actually am. <laughs> so believe me, I'm <laughs> uh, more of a Vespa guy now. So uh, I'm driving down, sort of wandering my way from the east coast of Canada and sort of making my way down to go to the tip of Florida. And I pass, I find myself in Vermont. And I remember this moment. I remember, hey, you know, I went to that hotel in White River Junction. Because I was, I was just outside of White River Junction. I said, I'm going to stop there for the night. So I stop at the hotel, the, the same one, the Holiday Inn in White River Junction. It, you know, it's, it's been remodeled, but it's still the same place. Still with that big area. I don't remember it's a Domer, but that big area that has the pool and the games. And tucked off on the side is a beaten, knocked around vintage Pac-Man machine. Oh, wow. Almost certainly the actual physical first console or first cabinet that I ever played it on. And I remember at the time thinking... I should buy it. I should just go up to the manager and say, I'll buy yeah. it. Like, whatever you want, I'll totally. buy it. Because, like, holy cow, it's one thing to have a Pac-Man machine, but to have the one you first played with your dad, with your mom, with your sister. And, of course, it's not for sale, but I could just go up to them and say, so just go up to the counter, go up to the manager and say, I'll, I'll buy it. I'd buy it now. I'll put down money. Call me if you're get getting rid of it. I will pay you more than anybody would possibly give you for that game. I want that console. Foolishly, 
I do nothing. It's one of those crazy, what was I thinking? And about four years later, I went by there again, and no, no games at all. No console. Oh. I don't know what happened to it. And it's one of the stupidest things I ever did or didn't do. It, I, I, don't, I was kicking myself, thinking, like, what was I thinking? Like, why wouldn't I have said something? So, yes, it slipped through my hands the mm. chance to potentially have the actual first uh, cabinet that I ever played on. Um, a silly, 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 silly Carrington. Yeah, that's a bummer. It's a total bummer. So White River Junction, though, whenever I see that on a map or think about that holiday and all I can think is the regret that I didn't buy that stupid <laughs> game. Like, oh, I will never stay there again. I think we all have moments like that, though. <laughs> uh, yes. So that's my story. Oh, well. So what about the future? So I think you said Namco's planning a new Pac-Man game? Yes. Uh, Namco set up a Facebook page for a new version of Pac-Man that they are calling a casual, a casual gaming version of Pac-Man. Isn't Where, Pac-Man casual already? I would think so. I don't think of Pac-Man as a particularly hardcore game. Oh, it kicks my butt, but... Yeah, they, they set this up, and, and they're soliciting ideas from players on what this game should look like. Uh-oh. Yeah. That's I'm, not going to end well. I'm not so sure that I'm crazy about that idea, because when you try to take something like... Uh, something that's iconic and classic like Pac-Man and you try to change it while still evoking the feeling of the old game, you end up with Frogger 3D or something exactly. wonderful like yep. that. So, yeah. Oh, that's um, disappointing. So I'm, I'm sort of against that. You know, if they're going to do the classic game and just sort of port over the original, um, I think that would be awesome. But, but it's but been ported to everything already. Right. Yeah. But no I, I don't think that's what they're going for here. I, I'm prepared to be disappointed by this. I am prepared to be disappointed as well. <laughs> I am fully prepared to be disappointed. So that's the future. Oh, his future is grim for Pac-Man. But luckily, there are um, probably literally thousands of, exper- of different versions of the classic Pac-Man that you can play on, on everything from consoles to, uh, to home computers to probably microwaves. So lots of lots of options to play. We don't have to wait for this one. And if you want, you can probably even go out and get original cabinets um for sale here and there uh i see them on ebay every now and then i I, i'd love to have one but i think ebay kind of scares me because i wouldn't want to have this thing crated up and shipped out to me Mm. um and i don't really there's a couple of local places but pac-man is one of those really popular games and so the the cabinets today especially if they're in any kind of decent shape at all are still very expensive you're talking a few thousand dollars and it's really easy to get a a knockoff one or a main machine or something but i agree if you're going to put together the uh the classic if you've you you know a series of you you can only have a few of them you get to have a upright cabinets in your your man cave or whatever um would you recommend that pac-man be among them if you could only have say 20 consoles and they had to be originals would pac-man be on your list that would be definitely top five yep yeah, you know what? It would. I don't know if it make my top five, but it would definitely be. In, if I was setting up my dream arcade, Pac Man is definitely has to have a place. It is so iconic; it has to it has to be there. You would reserve a spot in your your man cave. Absolutely, I would. That sounds dirtier than you probably intended it, but I would reserve a spot <laughs> in my man cave. <laughs> well, fantastic! I think that's all I have to say about Pac Man. Like. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think so for me, too. Um, so this is our, our first attempt at this. We hope you all have enjoyed it. Uh, we'll and back- that it won't end up being our last attempt. That's right, yes. <laughs> Hopefully people have enjoyed it. Yeah. I would really welcome feedback. That would, that would oh, be really definitely. nice yep. if people yep. would and write we to will, us. We'll set up some, some avenues for that sort of thing over the coming sure. days. And Absolutely. We'll have- I know in the meantime, people will definitely be able to email us at uh, the show's called No Quarter, and it's going to be hosted over at monsterfeet.com. So you can send email to noquarter at monsterfeet.com, and it will head off to both Mike and I. And more likely, Mike than I will actually reply because I'm terrible at that sort of thing. So hopefully, and the reply will... is guaranteed. 
Awesome. Fantastic. Mike guarantees he will reply. Yes. And, and in fact, I'm so confident that this was a great show that I promise we'll be back shortly with a new game. Excellent. Do you want to give our listeners a hint of as what to, that game will be? I, I do. I'm not going to tell them, but uh, we'll play a little sound right now. And so that's what you have to look forward to. Ooh, and I wonder if people will be able to guess what that uh, what that next game will be. I look forward to playing it myself. I don't think this one will be too difficult, but as we progress, you know, and we move away from the more popular games, um, maybe it'll be a little bit harder. We will see how hard we can make it. Well, thank you very much for podcasting with me, Mike. Thank you, Carrington. I look forward to our next show. Me too. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent to noquarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, all the original material in this show is released to the public domain.